0: To the Democrats. Some of these people need to go to a woke detox center or something. I mean, they're, they're, and there's a backlash and a frustration at that. Oh, shut up, Carvel. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Let me us to the right here I am stuck in the middle with you yes I am from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA also in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE in California up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ Cottage Grove's KSO Eugene's KEPW Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR in Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk, amongst others. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Whether you agree or not, well, I just hope you agree. That's all. (laughs) Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of The Bradcast, where we have a lot to get to for a change. (laughs) Hi, Desi Doyen. Hey. But listen, uh, even though i got a lot to get to, I want to pick up uh, sort of where we left off at the end of yesterday's program uh, where we ran out of time, while I was detailing the tons of wins, many of them historic, for progressives around the country on Tuesday, even as the national media narrative has continued uh, about what a complete and total and unmitigated disaster the Tuesday off-year elections were for Democrats. You heard James Carville there at the top. Uh, how you know Democrats just must get over their woke. Whatever nonsense yeah. he had to say, we're we're hearing a lot of that still. you know, because Democrats must apparently immediately uh, now repent and apologize for their ways. They must realize how they have gone wrong and immediately start acting more like Republicans or they are doomed. They are doomed.
1: (laughs) Exactly. That's always the, the answer. No matter what happens, the answer is always Democrats must move to the right.
0: Yes, that's right. Or they will, they'll just, it'll be all over in the 2022 midterm elections. Now, they may be doomed in 2022, but it won't be because they weren't acting Enough like Republicans, at least not in my opinion. Anyway, of course, the uh, corporate media relies on drama and outrage for viewers and listeners and readers. We rely only on listeners, hopefully, those that stop by bradblog.comslash donate to help us keep telling the truth, whether it is dramatic or otherwise. Just the truth. You know, I see my job as informing the electorate so you can make the best decisions about your lives and how to vote. There are plenty of folks in the corporate and non-corporate media alike, frankly, whose business model seems to be based on ginning up drama and outrage. Anyway, I have already digressed just a few more points for now worth noting from Tuesday's elections. Actual facts. I'll leave the drama of what to do about it. To you or to others, uh, one point I ran out of time for, but should definitely be noted here as uh, Democrats continue their battle with w- their battles, I should say, with West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin and Arizona's Senator Kirsten Cinema, in hopes of finally passing their progressive, transformative social safety net and climate change bill known as the Build Back Better Act. As folks, even in the supposedly non-right wing media, continue to suggest that uh, Democrats must back off, back off Biden's bold progressive agenda. They must do less if they want to win in 2022 by doing nothing for the American people, as has been the case for the past 40 years or so as the middle class crumbles and the nation comes apart at the seams in response. But yes, I have digressed again. (laughs) Voters in Tucson, Arizona, that's Pima County, the second largest county in the newly purple and trending blue state of Arizona, they approved a ballot initiative to raise the minimum wage to $15 on Tuesday by a huge margin, 60% to 32% of those who voted on that initiative. That means, uh, and I think it's initiative uh, 206, that means... 85,000 workers in Pima County's largest city will now be getting a raise. Nice. Tucson, of course, is a key Democratic stronghold in the state of Arizona, which maybe, just maybe, is something that their senior Democratic senator, Kirsten Cinema might want to take notice of. Given the show that she made uh, of voting against, including a $15 minimum wage, In Democratic legislation in Congress earlier this year, helping to kill that wildly popular initiative among Democrats and Republicans and everyone else for whom that is a very popular notion. And she did so for reasons that, frankly, I cannot even imagine. But, you know, maybe she'll notice that, yes, Tucson just voted by a huge margin again, two to one margin to raise the minimum uh, wage to $15. Maybe the state GOP and Cyber Ninjas will want to audit those results just to make sure that they were right.
1: (laughs) Have we heard from them yet about that?
0: No, we have not heard. I don't know why they're not complaining about that. I wonder why, but I do have more on the state GOP and the Cyber Ninjas a little bit later if I can get to it. The other results that I wanted to get to today uh, from Tuesday regard the three state constitutional propositions that were on the ballot in New York state regarding elections and voting reforms. As we discussed on this uh, show last week with two longtime election integrity experts on the ground there in New York. And we all three had mixed opinions, frankly, about about all three of them. Well, all three appear to have failed on Tuesday. Bigly. By like two to one margins. They all failed, even with general support from the Democratic Party and the bulk of election reformers, if not all of them, at least not all of the ones on this program. Prop one involved redistricting reform. It had uh, several different provisions. I won't get into the details, but that was uh, Prop one. Prop three would have allowed for same day voter registration. By doing away with the 10-day deadline in New York for registering to vote, which in and of itself, by the way, was already a big and important reform in in New York, where until this change uh, to allow folks to register up to 10 days before the election, the deadline had been like months before Election Day, before folks even knew who or what was on the ballot. Prop 3... Uh, would have done away with that deadline and that would then have allowed for same-day voter registration, which is now offered in many uh, states around the country. Of course, uh, it would most likely have also involved uh, electronic poll books at uh, the precinct, and we saw all kinds of problems with electronic poll books going down, people being unable to vote at all across the river there in New Jersey on Tuesday. And then Prop 4 would have allowed no-excuse absentee voting in one of the most restrictive absentee voting states in the union. Uh, All three measures failed on Tuesday. As I say, by like two to one. Why? I don't know. But if I can learn more, I will let you know. And uh, just in case you want to argue that, well, there must have been some funny business at the polls to prevent those fairly progressive, if partially concerning, in various ways, initiatives from passing. I would also note that Prop 2, a very progressive proposition uh, that uh, added to the state constitution uh, that it it would, quote, establish the right to clean air, water, and a healthful environment as part of the state constitution. Well, that one did pass, and in this case, that passed by a two-to-one margin in favor. Now, that proposition, simply inserting that line into the state constitution, Desi Doyen, could pave the way for, uh, well, for a bunch more climate-related lawsuits... In well, sure. uh, In the Empire State,
1: once you establish that a person has a right to something, then say a corporation decides to go in and mess with that right, well, yeah, they have grounds to sue.
0: Correct. It would, pre- it could prevent a whole bunch of unhealthy projects in the future, like you know, new dirty fossil fuel infrastructure, et cetera, which you know w- would then step on the right to clean air, water, and healthful environment in New York. So that would seem to be both a very good thing for New Yorkers and, frankly, for all of the rest of us on this burning planet. We'll have more on that and some other environmental initiatives that were on Tuesday's ballot in Desi's upcoming Green News report a little bit later this hour. Yep. But speaking of elections and election reform and the need for Democrats in D.C. to get stuff done, well, they appear to be trying... Senate Republicans, however, on Wednesday blocked another attempt to move forward with the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. Like other attempts to pass voting rights legislation this year, even a formal debate on the bill could not pass Republicans' use of the filibuster. A majority of the Senate, including, yes, even a Republican, believe it or not, supported moving forward on this bill to to debate it.
1: Yeah, this is not to pass. This is just to talk about it. Just
0: to debate it and then vote on it. Well, that would, uh, you know, this bill would reconstruct some of the Voting Rights Act preclearance provisions for new election laws that disproportionately discriminate against minority voters. You used to have to get permission from a uh, federal judge or from the Department of Justice for uh, laws that might. Racially discriminate. Well, that part of the Voting Rights Act was essentially gutted by the Supreme Court in 2013, and that has paved the way since then for all sorts of racially discriminatory laws that we have seen passed all over the country in uh, in GOP states since then.
1: Yeah, just hundreds alone this year.
0: The new law would also fix other parts of the 1965 law that were similarly weakened by another Supreme Court ruling earlier this year, finding essentially that it was okay to discriminate under the law as long as you didn't discriminate too much. I know that sounds ridiculous, but seriously, that's what the U.S. Supreme Court decided. You can go back and and listen to my conversation with Mark Joseph Stern from uh, early summer on that just after the Supreme Court came out with their uh, with their ruling. You can download it at bradblog.com. But uh, Senator Joe Manchin, the lone Democratic holdout on this uh, John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act over the summer, he announced his support for a slightly amended version of the bill this week and Republican Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Believe it or not, she also supports the legislation. She has been the only Republican to do so. But the cloture vote to move forward with debate on that bill did not reach the 60-vote bar necessary to overcome a Senate filibuster. So for the moment, that bill goes nowhere, despite votes from all Democrats, a majority of the Senate in and of itself, plus one Republican joining them, but a Uh, Majority, apparently, is not enough in the U.S. Senate. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said after the vote, the party of Lincoln is becoming the party of the big lie. Becoming? As uh, TPM's Matt Schumann notes, the focus uh, now again is on the anti-democratic filibuster. Just like the Freedom to Vote Act, uh, which Republicans blocked from receiving a debate two weeks ago, the failure of Wednesday's motion to begin debate on the John Lewis Act is just the latest episode to demonstrate how the arcane Senate rules have stopped progress on Democrats' priorities and, yes, I would add, American democracy itself. If they're not going to do this, then we have to look at what's next," said Amy Klobuchar to reporters. "And I believe that is restoring the Senate," she said. "We can't deny debate. They are literally stepping us, uh, stopping us from debating something." She said, adding later, "At some point, our democracy has to move along. So that's a discussion we'll be having. Well, take your time, Amy. No rush." Senators Manchin and Sinema are now alone among Democrats, yes, again, for their opposition to changing the filibuster rules, at least publicly, at least that we know of. And I'm only kidding, uh, Klobuchar, about taking her time somewhat. The fact is, (laughs) until both Manchin and Sinema get on board, there's actually nothing that Democrats can really do about any of this. I'm sad to say. Asked whether Democrats had coalesced around a strategy for reforming the filibuster, Klobuchar did not give specifics, but said, quote, When we say restore the Senate, we're going to look at all of our options to move things along here. Well, take your time, Amy. (laughs) I did it again. Uh, The fact is, as far as I can tell, Democrats... Had no choice but to go through all of these sort of performative actions, you know, letting Manchin change the bill, uh, both the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Act to his liking, since he has insisted that there would be enough Republicans to overcome a filibuster if the bills were recrafted, you know, to avoid the stuff that Republicans objected to the most that surely they would come along, that, you know, any election bill had to be bipartisan. Never mind the fact that state after state controlled by Republicans is passing voter suppression bills. Somehow, magically, in the U.S. Senate, Republicans would come on board to prevent those Republican actions at the states. And so they they uh, sort of had to, you know, change the bills to please Senator Manchin. And then put them both up to a vote to demonstrate to Manchin that, no, in fact, there ain't no Republicans coming along with him. Other than one. Lisa Murkowski. And only, by the way, on one of the two bills. So now Joe Manchin will, we're getting to that point arguably we were at that point long ago, but now we've gone through all the steps. So now he will need to either put up or shut up and allow reform of the filibuster if he actually wants these bills to pass. At least that's the theory. He voted in favor of both of them. They were both written to his liking. So at least that's the theory. But nobody has ever gotten rich betting on Joe Manchin other than Joe Manchin. So (laughs) we will see. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Wednesday's vote, uh, said uh, after the vote, uh, quote, as anyone who has been here for more than a few years knows, the gears of the Senate have ossified over the years. Noting the spike in filibuster use in recent years, he called on his colleagues to, quote, explore whatever path we have to restore the Senate, seems to be the phrase they're using now Hmm. Uh, restore the Senate so it does what it's uh, what the framers intended debate deliberate compromise and vote the majority leader said we can't be satisfied in this chamber with thinking that democracy will always win out in the end if we aren't willing to put in the work to defend it good advice In the meantime, following Tuesday's difficult elections for Democrats, pressure is now coming from someplace else that may get Joe Manchin's attention, or at least the president's attention. Rich people. Yes, rich people are very concerned about what is going on for the Democrats, as The New York Times is reporting this afternoon. Uh, Now, uh, nearly 10 months into his presidency, some of Mr. Biden's most loyal contributors and top fundraisers are feeling neglected, if not outright cast aside, according to more than 30 interviews with Democratic donors, fundraisers and the operatives who work with them. Now, in my opinion, that's good. I don't really want Joe Biden paying (laughs) much attention to his contributors and his fundraisers right now. With the loss of the Virginia governorship this week, the White House has accumulated precious little goodwill among some of the party's most important financiers. Good. That's good. But this part I like. Their frustrations also include impatience with the pace of substantive policy changes. One of the party's top donors is now signaling he is planning to withhold funds entirely over the languishing of voting rights legislation. Well, oh. good. Yeah, good. I, I hope, I hope
1: he talks to Mansion about that. I was going to say,
0: I hope he's a Mansion and Cinema donor as well, and he withholds it from them. The article goes on to explain how the donors are—they're complaining and they're whining that they haven't been given meetings with the president since he's taken office. Donors who have made suggestions or recommendations for lower-level jobs in the Biden administration complain that they've never heard back from anyone. The Times reports, oh, so sad. There's no outreach whatsoever, said one bundler who raised money during the primaries. Non-existent, said two other early Biden bundlers. People feel hung out to dry, said a fourth Democratic fundraiser who raised money for Mr. Biden. It's so sad. All of which, again, is fine by me. Ignore them. No problems there. And it suggests that maybe just maybe all Democrats are not quite as enthralled to their donors as the left wing contrarian industrial complex seems to believe. But other than that, I am glad to hear uh, that what the donors seem to be complaining about the most is actually the lack of action on voting rights. Separate from the outreach issue, a number of major Democratic donors, in particular in Silicon Valley, have been pressing Mr. Biden to uh, to move more forcefully on passing voting rights legislation, seeing state level Republican restrictions on voting as an existential crisis for democracy. And they are correct. And they have grown increasingly frustrated as the issue has stalled behind the social spending package still being negotiated on Capitol Hill. Now, that social spending and climate change package uh, is, uh, frankly... Uh, equally as important I don't know if that's the right way to put it at least at least to at least important to the fortunes of Democrats next year if that's what you're really worried about Democratic donors but I guess rich people maybe they're not quite as concerned
1: mm. about, about the social spending part. about
0: yeah about helping out the working class or about yeah. saving humanity from our climate crisis because guess what they'll always they think they'll always be able to afford air condition <laughs> They and, think they're
1: going to have enough money to escape it.
0: Yeah, well, they're, you know, they, they can use their second house or their third house in case their first one gets wiped out by fires or floods or hurricanes. Yeah. There'll always be another house for them. So that's not a concern.
1: They believe.
0: But they do seem to care about voting rights, and that's a good thing. So uh, I'm with them on that one. Yeah. Prominent donors pushing for more movement on the issue. According to people familiar with the efforts include Ron Conway, a Silicon Valley venture capitalist, Jeff and Erica Lawson, the founder of Twilio and his wife. Do you have any idea what Twilio is? No, me neither. But apparently you make a lot of money from it. Uh, Eric Schmidt, the uh, former chief executive of Google. He's uh, one of the people pushing for, uh, for this issue. Carla Jurvetson, a physician and philanthropist who spent more than $27 million in the 2020 election. These people have $27 million to spend on elections. Do you think maybe they ought to have their taxes raised? Just asking. But none of them, according to The Times, has gone as far as the hedge fund executive Donald Sussman, who has communicated that he is pausing his political giving until such a package advances for voting rights. According to people familiar with the matter, Sussman is one of the financial pillars of the Democratic ecosystem. He doesn't donate to us. I've never heard of this guy. That's all I can tell you. Uh, Investing roughly 50 million during the four years that Donald Trump was in the White House in federal campaigns uh, to candidates and to super PACs, etc. The obscenity of that. And those kind of numbers, frankly, from any political donors, uh, putting that aside, I am still hopeful that this gets the attention of Democrats. You know, maybe if their funders uh, have an uprising, they will start to notice. I will take whatever we can get at this point with American democracy now hanging by a thread. Ning Mosberger Tang, a Democratic donor in Colorado who put nearly $300,000 into the 2020 Uh, into federal campaigns in 2020, has been organizing regular meetings with like-minded donors focused on voting rights legislation and said there was, quote, frustration about the lack of prioritization of this issue. She estimated the group had raised $7 million this year to press the cause. Advancing voting rights legislation is especially tricky politically, the Times correctly notes, it would almost surely require doing away with the filibuster which still divides Democrats. Well actually at this point it only divides two Democrats from the rest of the entire Democratic caucus in the Senate as far as we can tell. And they note Mr. Biden has said the issue must wait until that uh, until the spending package passes, which, if you believe the reports out of DC today could come at any time. Maybe even today. Maybe after we get off the air. Now we have heard that trick before, <laughs> so I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I don't wouldn't, get your hopes up. I wouldn't bet the mansion on it. Oh, I see what see you what did, what there. I did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but Biden uh, did recently express openness to quote fundamentally altering the filibuster to advance voting rights legislation quote and much more. He said. Of course, uh, no president can force any senator to do anything, despite what some in that contrarian industrial complex that I referenced seem to believe. And I've spoken to people. They're like, well, Joe Biden should be doing more. He should be out there pressing them. He should be calling out Joe Manchin by name and Kirsten Sinema by name. and Threatening
1: it, to take away funding from their states. And
0: embarrassing them any way that they can. If he did that over and over again loudly from the bully pulpit, I'm sure they would comply with his orders. Or maybe they would just say, no, thank you for the insult, sir, but we're no longer going to caucus with de- with the Democrats at all. We're going to hand control of the U.S. Senate to Mitch McConnell and the Republicans. Is that what you want, contrarian industrial complex? So, you know, I don't know if there is much more that Biden can do to get Manchin and Cinema to come around, whether it's on uh, the need to uh, reform the filibuster to pass voting rights, whether it's on the Build Back Better bill. You know, if they don't want to do these things for you know any reason, good or bad, they do not have to. A president cannot force a sitting U.S. senator to do that. And, you know, I've heard people who seem to believe that the president has that kind of power. Oh, look at LBJ. Look how he got through the Civil Rights Act by coming down on his own party's Democrats in the Senate. Well, yeah, he did. He had a 68-seat majority in the U.S. Senate at the time. A lot easier to get a majority uh, vote when you have 68 senators versus when you have 50. And two of them don't want to have anything to do with you, it seems like. So, you know, until there is evidence to the contrary, I must assume that uh, he and the 48 others in the Democratic caucus are doing whatever they can to win over uh, Manchiniman, or Cinnamon. Manchin, or Manchinima, or whoever Manchin. they are. But if uh, pressure from the uh, biggest donors to the Democratic Party helps, if they're ticked off about this and if they are pushing them, well, I am all in favor of that. So there's that. That's where the uh, difficult fight for the survival of American democracy is at this moment. Anyway, on the pro-democracy, pro-reality side of the equation... How are things looking on the other side of the street? Well, you know, on the pro-authoritarian anti-democracy side.
1: You mean in Crazy Town?
0: Well, let's take a quick break and we will take a, a trip to uh, Crazy Town <laughs> where you can uh, you've you've got this uh, warning, you can put on your hazmat suits or pop your popcorn or whatever. We will re- we will return with Some of the, just some of the uh, GOP madness when it comes to American democracy right now in November of 2021. But hey, you actually may like some of this. Like I said, pop the popcorn, including some more, yes, more legal trouble for the liars in the wingnut media. That's straight ahead. You have been warned. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. Uh-huh. We'll see who wins. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. As we went to break there, a whole bunch of uh, breaking news alerts just came over my <laughs> iPhone here that I haven't been able to read at all, but I will share the headlines with you here. From Washington Post, Justice Department files lawsuit against Texas law establishing new voting restrictions. Good. New York Times says the DOJ sued Texas over its new voting law, arguing that the Republican-led measure would disenfranchise vulnerable groups. So... That's encouraging. Yeah, we'll uh, look into that and uh, report back uh, on our next thrilling broadcast <laughs> if uh, if if there is anything to report. But this is fun. Uh, still more trouble for the wingnuts in their their never-ending pretend war on voting machine companies. And I say pretend war on voting machine companies because I've been at a, in, in a real war with voting machine companies for about twenty years. Their war, however, is pretend. Against these companies that they have decided that they don't like. You'll remember all of the huge billion dollar lawsuits that Dominion Voting Systems has already filed against a whole bunch of right wing media outlets and Trump attorneys like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, which uh, so far have been allowed to proceed in court. Luckily, there's no filibuster there. So those cases are moving forward, at least some of them, the ones against Giuliani and Powell. And then there's also the Smartmatic voting company, which doesn't actually have anything whatsoever to do with American elections other than out here in Los Angeles County, where. They were actually contracted to create the new, terrible, unverifiable touchscreen voting systems that all voters at the polls out here are now forced to use for the first time as of last year. But Smartmatic is in none of the states that the Republicans are pretending to have uh, contested. Smartmatic, which was once tied to Venezuela's Hugo Chavez, They were, by and large, brought into Donald Trump's non-traversy over the pretend stolen 2020 election that he actually lost. Thanks to a series of exclusive articles that I wrote at Bradblog.com from around uh, 2008 to 2010 about a company that Smartmatic used to own, which was then later purchased by Dominion. And now the wingnuts have basically decided that Dominion and Smartmatic somehow are one in the same when actually they're competing companies. And that both Dominion and Smartmatic somehow stole the election from Joe Biden, even though Smartmatic has nothing whatsoever to do with elections in any of the states that Trump has duped his followers into believing were somehow hacked. And, of course, zero evidence to support any of this madness. Well, so there's your background. Now, from Reuters last night, which, by the way, Reuters sort of right wing, right wingy media itself in truth. So I do salute them here for using the word right wing in the very first sentence instead of conservative So there's that. Yeah. I wish the rest of the media would take notice. Anyway, from Reuters, voting technology company Smartmatic on Wednesday sued right wing U.S. television networks One America News and Newsmax, saying they must be held accountable for spreading conspiracy theories about the 2020 U.S. presidential election. Yay. Go get them, Smartmatic. Yeah. In separate lawsuits, Smartmatic accused OAN and Newsmax of knowingly spreading false claims that the voting technology company rigged the election against then-President Donald Trump. Smartmatic says the networks doubled down on the false claims as part of an effort to win over Trump supporters who were dissatisfied with Fox News' election coverage. That company by the way has uh, Smartmatic has already sued Fox as has Dominion a Newsmax spokesperson said in a statement to Reuters quote while Newsmax has yet to receive or review the Smartmatic filing Newsmax reported accurately on allegations made by <laughs> well-known public figures this is their defense.
1: This is the people are asking. We're yeah. just reporting what people what they're are saying. asking. Yeah,
0: they're just saying that stuff. We have to report it. Uh, they say including the president, his advisors, and members of Congress, as well as reporting on Smartmatics' claims in its defense. Uh, Smartmatics' action against Newsmax today is a clear attempt to squelch the rights of a free press. <laughs> and apparently the rights of a free press to knowingly lie. Maybe. I don't know. I suspect uh, that argument might find friendly ears at our stolen U.S. Supreme Court eventually. But of course, they are claiming all they were doing was reporting what these other important people were saying. And I'm not so sure about that, but that's what they uh, that's what they seem to be claiming here. An OAN representative did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Smartmatic did not say how much money they are demanding from Newsmax and OAN, but said election conspiracy theories have erased two billion dollars in value from the company. Damages owed by each of the defendants will be determined at trial. They said. Smartmatic in February also sued Fox News and its parent company Fox Corp. and several Fox hosts. Hi, Lou Dobbs, in uh, in a New York state court, alleging that they falsely accused the company of helping rig the U.S. presidential election in favor of Democrat Joe Biden. In that case, Smartmatic also sued Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, who pushed these election-rigging conspiracy theories without any evidence in support of them. Smartmatic's lawsuit in that case stated that the defendants should pay a combined $2.7 billion in monetary damages. Fox and its co-defendants have asked the judge to dismiss the case, arguing their commentary on Smartmatic was free speech that was protected by the First Amendment. Fox, OAN, Newsmax, Paul, Giuliani, also face defamation claims brought by Dominion Voting Systems, like Smartmatic. Dominion is seeking billions of dollars in damages. Dominion has sued other individuals as well, including My Pillow uh, guy, My Pillow fi- founder, Mike Lindell. Dominion scored an early victory in August when a judge, you may recall, rejected the moves to the motions to dismiss the cases from uh, Giuliani and Powell and Lindell and allowed that uh, those cases to advance toward trial. Womp womp. So that was their first chance to stop it. And they failed when it came to this Dominion case. The other cases, Smartmatic, those are still uh, awaiting the uh, summary judgments Uh, motions to uh, toss them entirely. So we will see. Fox has also asked a judge to dismiss Dominion's claims, arguing Dominion's lawsuit quote, threatens to stifle the media's free speech right to inform the public about newsworthy allegations of paramount public concern. So what you have here is the the case that has been allowed to move forward so far is against the attorneys, Powell and Giuliani uh, and Lindell. So basically, Private individuals, uh, two of them serving as lawyers, they were not able to make the claim that the First Amendment uh, free speech rights that, you know, protect the press. So that is still to be decided when it comes to the Dominion suit against Fox News and the Smartmatic suit against Fox News and apparently uh, their suits as well. Now, their new suits against the other right wing outlets, as they call. And I'm happy to see, you know, uh, how many years have I been complaining About media outlets describing, you know, Fox News or (laughs) any of these people as conservative when they are not, that they're actually right wing.
1: They're nothing close to conservative.
0: And here Reuters correctly did it, called them right wing U.S. television networks. So, eh, you know, we're getting somewhere. Taking a while, but we're getting there. But but even uh, though there is this huge chunk a minor a majority in fact of republicans who now believe that the 2020 election was stolen after basically what is now a full year since the 2020 election seems like about 2 or 3 weeks but it has apparently <laughs> been a full year since the 2020 election and Donald Trump's continued lies that it was stolen have Uh, Well, you know, they have won over a huge chunk, a majority, in fact, of the Republican Party, a lot of whom heard this nonsense via Fox News, OAN, Newsmax, etc. But some important cracks seem to be emerging in that dishonest, uh, desperate foundation uh, making that argument, particularly after Tuesday night's election where Republicans might want to argue, as we discussed yesterday, that the New Jersey Democratic Governor Phil Murphy's election, uh, his victory, his apparent victory over Republican Jack Chitterelli was stolen. They might want to make that argument, and I, I kind of suspect they will. But, you know, it, it raises the question that if Democrats are so good at stealing elections, why didn't they also steal Virginia and I think in that sense, I think it's probably a good thing that Republican Glenn Youngkin defeated Democrat Terry McAuliffe in the state.
1: If only for that.
0: Yes, it'll make it a lot harder to make that argument, won't it? And But that's <clears>
1: just <throat> what they want you to think. That's
0: exactly. That's right. That's why they let Youngkin win. <laughs> anyway, it has not gone unnoticed, uh, all of this, uh, from some of the far right wing nuts who accidentally speak the truth when they get drunk enough to do so. Desi uh, is the one who actually found this one because Eric Erickson, (laughs) he blocks me on Twitter for some reason. But Erickson, he's the uh, he's the wingnut founder of the far right red state blog, uh, even if he has had various fallings out with his party at various times in recent years. I think over Donald Trump, although it's hard to keep track. These guys pretend to be against Trump and then they come around and they're with him after all anyway. <clears throat> he's still very much of a wingnut at heart. Don't don't be deceived here. Here's what uh, Eric Erickson posted to Twitter and Facebook on election night. Uh, remember, now he's clearly drunk. He says as much. <laughs> yeah. So you'll you'll have to try and make sense of 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 this somewhat by filling in some of these blanks, but he says, well, he's on Twitter he said a message from management and then he posts his Facebook post here. He says, "Hello, I am fueled by bourbon and cold pizza following a Braves and GOP and I would like a word now. I think he means uh, Atlanta Braves and GOP (laughs) victories on Tuesday night. He forgot that. He goes on to say, you idiots have spent a year peddling the fiction. The 2020 election was stolen because you were so busy humping Trump's leg that you never really even tried to convince persuadable voters to vote. Now you're all, oh, the Dems are too smart to steal anything other than the one election that requires figuring out the electoral college landscape and voter distribution across multiple swing states where just a popular vote doesn't matter. No. No. Either admit the election wasn't stolen or STFU from here on out. That stands for shut the blank up. (laughs) The Democrats literally lost Virginia, a state they fully controlled. They lost the judiciary in Pennsylvania, which they controlled. They lost down to freaking dog catcher across the nation. Actually, no, they did not. But, you know, it's Eric Erickson. And he's drunk. And he's drunk and he lies. So, you know, when a liar gets drunk, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Nellie, bar the door or however that saying goes. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, I know some of you are too in the cult to admit the truth that Trump lost. But get over yourselves now. Move on. Shut up about stolen elections that weren't stolen. Because I assure you the Democrats would have stolen some of the 2021 elections if they could have. But they could not. So they did not. And if you really have clung to the 2020 was stolen mythology that lets you sleep well at night as professional victim, please unfriend me and unfollow me because your presence is needed in Neverland and not here in reality. And if you are upset, I said this to quote all of you when you talk about progressives, F your feelings get with reality. I told you to bring some popcorn along for this segment. (laughs) And then there's this. uh, So that's not going well. Uh, Anyway, uh, then there's this from our old friends, the Cyber Ninjas in Arizona. Uh, Remember them? The clowns that had no idea how to do a post-election audit, pretended to count 2.1 million ballots in Maricopa County, Arizona. For months
1: and months and months.
0: And then announced that, yes, Joe Biden did actually beat Donald Trump in Arizona and by even more votes than were originally certified. Before it then later turned out that, according to experts, even those numbers were made up entirely because the actual numbers were hundreds of thousands of votes off just in terms of the number of ballots that they actually counted and tracked and added up. Well, apparently the cyber ninjas and the GOP Arizona state senators that hired them for that stupid, unprofessional, pointless job are now. Facing a lot of legal fire in the state. And now I am very sad to say that the Senate Republicans and the cyber ninjas appear to be. Please note, appear to be because I'm not sure if they actually are or if this is just more, you know, ninja style kabuki theater from these frauds and liars and fakers and clods. But they appear to now be turning on each other, sort of. From the Arizona Republic, Cyber Ninjas is in breach of its agreement with the Arizona Senate to conduct an audit of the presidential election in Maricopa County, Senate President Karen Fan wrote in a letter to the company. Fan's letter adds pressure to the Florida based ninja company to turn over thousands of records related to the audit and also comes as the Senate itself is facing court sanctions for not, in turn, making those records available to Arizonans. This is also sad. The letter was sent before a county judge was slated to consider whether cyber ninjas should face court penalties for not turning over these records. That case was filed by the Arizona Republic, and it is separate from another lawsuit in which left leaning watchdog group American Oversight has already sought sanctions against the Senate for not turning over these public documents. Senate President, again, Republican Senate President Karen Fan's three paragraph letter puts the onus on cyber ninjas. The Florida company's failure to give the Senate documents pursuant to a judge's order after he determined that because this project was initially funded by the state government means that any records about the audit, including emails and texts, etc., between anybody involved in this audit theater, that also means the company violated its contract with the Senate at least according to Senator Fan, who made all of this idiocy possible in the first place. And as such, the Senate, quote, reserves its rights to pursue any and every available claim or remedy to enforce the agreement's provisions. So now she's basically threatening the cyber ninjas if they don't turn over this information. The Senate had hired the company on a $150,000 contract, but the cyber ninjas ended up raising millions more. For its effort from private donations that came in through, yes, places like OAN and Newsmax. OAN was one of the uh, uh, right wing outlets that was pushing this entire audit nonsense in the first place. Calling
1: themselves a news outlet, but also fundraising on behalf of this, Correct. Gr- of this
0: group. No wonder they were sued by Smartmatic and Dominion. So the uh, by the way, that 150 thousand they got from the Senate, that would be taxpayer money that the ninjas were paid. And we and that was just what they were paid to start. We don't know ultimately what they were paid in the end by the taxpayers of Arizona. You know, those Republican conservatives are always very concerned about how taxpayer dollars are being spent, right? Anyway, this is all coming into court. They're all turning on each other. Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Hanna previously ordered the Cyber Ninjas in late August to make public things such as emails, texts, and other communications related to the audit. And we know that even Senator Fan has not turned over all of the documents because we've had several guests on this program like John Brakey and Ray Lutz who have said that their own communications that they sent at various times to Senator Fan herself or to the Ninjas... That those documents that they know exist, emails, text messages, they know they exist, they have not shown up so far in the meager document dumps that the uh, Senate and uh, the ninjas have put out. So uh, we will see how this goes, but they are now all turning on each other. There's a couple of other contractors that Senator Fan has also sent a letter to. But apparently she says that the Senate has only received about 300 records from cyber ninjas of what should be closer to 60,000 available documents. She said the only reason they sent the letter to the ninjas and to the subcontractors was to let them know that the judge is now talking about sanctions and they may need to be aware and they need to turn these things over. That's the best I can do for right now. So there you go. We'll keep our eyes on that as the public's attempt for accountability continues, and we will continue to cover it and do our part wherever we can. I have a feeling none of this ends well. Though whom it does not end well for the bad guys or the good guys. Well, that all remains to be seen. Desi Doyen is next with the Green News Report, where maybe some of the good guys are winning a bit. We'll see. Maybe. We'll find out. That's next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, Desi Doyen, I know you've been working around the clock following the critical climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland, the COP26. Yes. As it's called for some reason, and as you (laughs) cover in our latest Green News Report. We can get real on coal, cars, cash, and trees.
1: Major agreements on methane, deforestation and more at U.N. Climate Summit. But getting commitments that translate to real change is no small lift. As Critical World Conference moves into the negotiating phase. Plus, 2021 off-year elections deliver a mixed bag for the environment.
0: All of those mixed bags and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. More than 100 world leaders pledged to halt deforestation by 2030. Of course, to do that, they'll need a detailed plan that they'll need to print out on thousands upon thousands of pieces of paper. (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Okay, Tizzy Doyen, a whole lot of stuff going on at COP26, the UN Climate Conference. But first, we've got some elections here in the U.S. Yes,
1: the environment was on the ballot in the off year elections across the U.S. this week. In Virginia, Republican Glenn Youngkin, who says he's not sure if humans cause man made climate change, edged out former Democratic Governor Terry McAuliffe for the governor's seat. In New Jersey, incumbent Democratic Governor Phil Murphy won a second term, which is good news for his massive initiative to remake the state into a regional hub for all. Offshore wind energy.
0: Actually, it's good news for all of us on this planet.
1: Indeed. In Ohio, a Republican coal lobbyist won a special U.S. House election in a reliably red district. In New York State, voters approved an amendment to the state constitution guaranteeing New Yorkers the right to clean air and water and a healthy environment. That should
0: be interesting.
1: But in Maine, voters agreed with the ballot initiative to cancel a proposed high-voltage transmission line to deliver clean Canadian hydropower, which would required clearing a miles-long path through the state's forest and was opposed by fossil fuel and utility interests. Hmm. High-voltage transmission lines are necessary for delivering renewable energy across long distances and are a growing area of contention and litigation. Meanwhile, in Glasgow, Scotland, the COP26 UN Climate Summit now moves into the grueling phase of negotiating the incredibly complex details and mechanisms to deliver on major deals announced by world leaders this week. I'm
0: sure it'll go really well and
1: it'll be totally easy. Issues like wealthy countries financing adaptation and clean energy technology in developing countries, emissions trading, enforcement, transparency and accountability. Before departing Glasgow, President Joe Biden urged world governments and the private sector to seize the moment.
0: This isn't just something we have to do to protect the environment in our future. It's an enormous opportunity, enormous opportunity for all of us, all of our nations to create jobs and make meeting climate goals a core part of our global economic recovery as well.
1: More than 20 countries and financial institutions vowed to halt all financing for fossil fuel development overseas and divert an estimated $8 billion a year to clean energy projects instead. Nice.
0: Was the U.S. one of them?
1: Yes, we are. The U.K., European Union, and the U.S. all signed off on a new Just Energy Transition partnership with South Africa, promising more than $8 billion to help that country ditch their coal-fired power plants. Good. The European union and the united states announced a deal to end their trade war over steel and aluminum launched by donald trump but also will require the incredibly emissions intensive steel industry to decarbonize pushing international producers into clean production methods like green steel made using renewable energy
0: can that be done you can generate enough heat with renewable energy
1: they're doing it now in sweden
0: nice if they can do it there we can do it here
1: More than 100 countries signed on to a new pact to halt and reverse deforestation and land degradation by 2030. The Glasgow leader's Declaration on Forests and Land Use accounts for about 85 percent of the world's forests and includes billions in funding for sustainable forest management, conservation and reforestation. More than 100 countries, representing more than two-thirds of the global economy, agreed to cut methane emissions by 30 percent by 2030, a very significant deal, yet it does not include major emitters like Russia and China. Because methane is a powerful climate-warming gas, reducing emissions now would have a rapid and significant effect on global warming. And finally, President Biden is backing up that methane pledge with action at home. The administration announced that the EPA and other federal agencies will now develop new methane leak standards to cut U.S. methane emissions by 70 percent below 2005 levels by 2030. And that will cover both new and existing infrastructure across the entire oil and gas industry supply chain. So, lots of pledges and deals, but they all have to be backed up by action.
0: And they have to be not blocked here in the U.S. by the U.S. Supreme Court.
1: There's that, too.
0: For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. A little less conversation, a little more action. All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me. I love that he says, satisfaction in me. Uh, very quickly, I know you got a, an a update follow-up. here. As we were going into the conference, there was concerns that all of the world pledges made so far were not going to keep the world below the two-degree limit for warming, much less the 1.5 Celsius uh, limit.
1: That's all in the Paris Agreement, yes, and that was going into it. Now the International Energy Agency has some good news coming out. It says that if all of the new pledges that have been made this week at the COP26 conference and all of the new deals, like on methane and deforestation and all of those, if those are all met, then they would slow warming to just 1.8 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels that is better than the two degree yeah. target in paris so that's if everybody follows through that is very good news
0: that's a lot of ifs but it is good news we'll yes. take it thank you very much desi doyan thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us if you missed any portion of today's program you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com where i hope you will stop by and hit one of those donate buttons please you can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I am simply the Brad Blog. I will see you there until on, we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. On, on. Good luck, world. Don't procrastinate, don't articulate. girls it's getting late. You just sit wait around. Ah! conversation a little more action. All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me.